How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Mistress Carrie. Weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. Ian. Hello. Hi. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Thank you so much for calling. Absolutely. You have been on my short list of rock stars that I have never spoken to, and I am so happy that I get to check you off today because I've been such a fan for so long. Cool. Thank you. You're going to be in Boston at the House of Blues on uh, Saturday night, December 14th, and I cannot wrap my brain around the fact that this is a 30th anniversary celebration of Sonic Temple. I, I can't believe it's been 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> us too. From people that I've talked to that uh, have seen this tour already, I've heard just from regular fans that have said, I've seen the cult a lot, but this tour, they are better than ever. How are you guys pulling that off? Um, we didn't go away. I mean, the last... 15 years, we've released three albums, two EPs, done so much touring. So we've kind of kept busy, and I think because of that, you know, it's, it, if you don't use it, you lose it. So <clears throat> we've been playing out for quite a while, and I think that that really has been one of the contributing factors to the band being so tight, so connected. And, you know, the shows have been excellent. We've curated a really, really cool set for this, for this run of dates, so... You know, we're, we're always anxious to get on stage and and uh, get into the, get into the show. I mean, that's the that's really what the day is all about. When we're traveling, we, we pretty much focus our energies into the show. I think everyone's taking it, you know, really seriously in the sense of trying to stay in shape. And you know, like we were just in the UK and we all got sick on the road, and we still went out and did the shows. I've been asking a lot of singers this question, and I'm curious. Um, just because you've been singing for so long, have you changed your vocal regiment about how you prepare for a show, how you warm down after a show? How are you protecting your voice? Yeah, somewhere in my, uh, I guess in my mid-30s, <laughs> I realized that I like, had to start a little bit more discipline with my voice because the recovery is you get to start getting a little bit older, <clears throat> get out of your 20s, is it takes longer for recovery, so you really take care of that especially being a singer because you are the instrument. So um, learning about, you know, scales, um, water, hydration is like the most important thing. And uh, and trying to get as much sleep as possible so you can repair any damage. Or, because we, we put in a full shift in our shows and we leave it all on the stage. So that's, you know, we just make sure that we've got the energy to do it every day. Because this year, I think we've done probably 50-plus shows. Same with last year. You know, I think the year before that, we did 90. So we've been really, really active. There's a lot of uh, final tours, you know, Kiss and, and Ozzy. And, you know, there's there's a lot of artists that have had amazing longevity and career. What do you what do you attest the longevity of the cult to? Um, probably a 
desire to play music first and foremost. If there's no nothing in it, I mean, there have been times when I've stepped away from the cult, done other other projects, and um, and that was really great because I was refreshed during those you know three or four years sabbaticals. I took two of them, but I went off and you know played with Manzarek and Krieger, or you know did other records. I sang on the Tony Iommi solo album, which I believe is. 20 years old. I love that record. It's so good. Yeah, it's a great record. It's a really great record. And, um, you know, just things like that keep you in, keep you curious, keep you, you know, it's the passion that drives it in terms of, I get bored pretty quickly. (laughs) I get heavily into something. And once I think I've sucked all the the nutrients, all the information I can get out, I don't want to move on to something else. And um, I think that keeps the cult in check with always replenishing itself, with always redefining itself as an entity, always trying to find um, new textures or new... uh, being authentic in what we're saying, you know, where we're at, the station of life. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not going to go out there and try and perform sonic sample songs and try and mimic what I was doing when I was 27 to 29 when we were doing that tour. You know, because my voice has changed as well. It's, it's you know, my voice has um, probably lost a lot of the high end. Well, not the high, the, the very, very, very high falsetto end of it. My voice has stayed pretty good because I'm baritone. So I sing a lot in this mid-register place. And, um, yeah, I mean, Billy's been, you know, he, that guy's been, he plays every day. I mean, he's really been putting a lot into his craft. And I think if you take it... It is a lifestyle to a degree, but without there being the music, without there being the audiences, without there being all the people it takes to put on a show, you know, the venues, and we, you know, we'd be without <laughs> without a place to express ourselves. But um, so we do take it. You know, we really do have a lot of care in what we do, and we try to create a set that we think people will really enjoy. When we want to take them on a visceral journey, you know. And it's not just the celebration of Sonic Temple. It's actually, in some ways, a reintroduction of the cult and a celebration of the DNA of the cult because we're playing songs that are kind of, uh, you know, were songs that were precursors to Sonic Temple that kind of show you the, the story of how we got to that and then showing us how Sonic Temple became an influence on our, you know, on our body of work going forward. Um, so there's a lot going on. So I, I like to say it's a celebration of the DNA of the cult, yeah. And um, a few people are just going to raise their eyebrows and go, what are you talking about, DNA? I say, well, these are our influences. These are songs that are very, very pivotal and important, you know, for the cult. And we're now it's 10 studio albums, which is a great body of work. And um, now we can change the narrative every night if we so wish. You know, if we get on a roll, sometimes we get on a roll, we play the same set, um, you know, for a couple of nights, and then we'll shift something out, we'll pull it out, we'll put something new in keep it fresh so uh, yeah a lot of it's by intuition you don't really we have some conversations but a lot of it's by intuition we're pretty we've known each other so well for so long that uh, we can pretty much anticipate is it harder to keep a band together or a marriage together (laughs) good question Um, I'd have to say band because you've got more individuals individual pieces in it. You've got more individual, you know, and everyone's got their own individual situations going on. But this lineup, we've been playing now with uh, these guys for 
John Tempest has been with us for 15 years. Uh, you know, John's a staple. Um, we had Damon join us to kind of um, enhance what we've been doing because he plays a lot of keyboards and uh, is able to play a lot of the parts that were missing, that we weren't playing for a long time. They're actually present on the records. Um, so having him as a keyboard player, second guitar player when he's playing rhythm chords, and he's a great singer as well. And he's also an iconic frontman in his own right. So he's a, an incredible asset, Damon Fox. And then we've got uh, Grant Fitzpatrick on bass, who's been with us now for four years. So um, previous bass player went, you say, keeping the band together, lifestyle choices. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, was, some individuals have other lifestyle choices, which don't always go with the harmony of what we're trying to do. And to be, to be honest with you, I mean, very early on, Billy and I, we experienced you know, having some initial success and the pressure it put on individuals and, and how they responded to that. You know, we, I mean, I remember firing off a first drummer, which was heartbreaking. It was so difficult because it was a friend. We loved him, but it just didn't fit. There, there, was, there was a lot of friction and it just didn't work and musical styles were evolving and, you know, and then uh, same with the second drummer that we had to part company with, um, who ended up, I guess, he played with some other groups, but then ended up dying prematurely. You know, some people are fated to go earlier, and I don't think there's any, you know, real rules about it. It's just when you choose to go, you go. And, I mean, I was very close friends with like, Michael Hutchins and I knew Chris Cornell and, yeah, it's, um, we've had some as a rock community. We've had some devastating losses. Yeah, I mean uh, the, the rock community is well. First of all, let's stress the word community because there's a lot of that in our, and I'm sure a lot of guys and girls in bands would agree that you know we've all experienced being racehorses at some time when you become a commercial. Uh, I guess you know you become a commercial. Uh, outlet for someone who wants to make a lot of money and then all of a sudden you've got a lot of new friends and then you go through some difficult periods and everyone disappears and you find out who your friends really are and uh, it's difficult to explain the experience of traveling you spend a lot of isolation a lot of time in isolation and um, that feeling valued by community is a really important thing and I think it's great when we do tour and we do see people that we love and we know now for years it's always amazing um, there's always this great sense of camaraderie but uh, I think The Rock, it's really sad to see The Rock's out the Grammys. Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't really kind of influencing that in the culture. You know, that's just a standalone thing that happens every year. We've kind of, like, lost our central um, institutions that used to support rock music. I mean, rock was definitely one of the most important pillars of, you know, so many institutions' uh, advancement and... Um, Certainly, hip hop community it definitely has community, and they they're also influenced by rock music, and they they do it in a really beautiful way, like Post Malone, for example. Yeah, um, with Ozzy. Yeah, exactly. So that shows that there's there's, a, there's definitely a connection between those communities, and there's also a lot of hip hop artists that we toured with, we played with, and we've had similar career paths, you know. Um, and every now and again, you meet up with with. Uh, hip-hop artists, and we have very similar experiences. Um, but I'd love to see a lot more community. I've been pushing to uh, 
powers that be in the inst- in the in the uh, promoters and you know free friends that are journalists and saying like we should really have an authentic evening to celebrate rock music somewhere it could be anywhere um, in the country move it around it'd be really cool uh, where we could celebrate artists that have had you know careers like you talk about Ozzy Osbourne or something like that you know had like. I mean, Ozzy's had, what, 50-year career? It is interesting that rock music and maybe country are the only artists that really seem to have that kind of longevity of career. Yeah. I think, you know, also, when a lot of these guys started, it was, um, there was a lot more going on in terms of organic influences. I mean, you had to physically go to a venue to see somebody perform. This is all pre- even like in Britain, you know, you'd rarely see stuff on TV. I mean, you saw it maybe on like Starman, Bowie, I saw that. You saw it once. It was never shown again. You know, it's crazy. They may have had a repeat once, but it wasn't shown for many, many years. So you'd have to seek things out. And, um, and also, if you want to see an artist, you'd have to go see the, you'd have to go buy the ticket. You'd have to go to the venue, buy the ticket. And so there's a lot more investment, organic investment. Plus, you could go and see artists that you were really inspired by. I mean, when I was a younger artist, I was going out and seeing, trying to see as many artists who I admired, who were older, um, especially people like Chuck Berry or, you know, going out to see John Lee Hooker and, and those kind of artists. And I think that when you get close to the source, you know, you get close to the source of where this music emanated from, um, it gives you a little bit more, I don't know, the root, maybe the roots that you have in music go a little bit deeper and sustain you throughout decades and difficult times you've had those experiences and that intimacy there you go an, in, an intimate relationship with with muses with influencers you know with going to see artists that's something that you can't replicate you know once you've had that experience of, with a certain artist that's something you can't really conjure up unless you've been through it it seems like rock and roll is having a bit of a resurgence though and it's been nice to see you know, newer rock bands coming out, but also bands like the cult going out, celebrating big anniversaries. And, you know, for you guys, 30 years since Sonic Temple and you're still going out and killing it every night. It's nice to know that that music still holds true and, and is still just as important today as it was when it was released. Yeah, and then in some ways even more so because at that point we weren't fully evolved as people and the material wasn't, it was, it was as evolved as it could be for that moment. But with time, you begin to interpret nuances in songs that were maybe something you couldn't quite attain in the past, and now you've had that wealth of experience whereby you really got the gravitas, the weight, the emotional sentiment behind a piece. You really understand how far to go with it. And this is com- talking completely from performing, you know, aspect. Uh, you know, you consider there's a lot more subtlety and nuances, and then there's a lot more. <laughs> there's a lot more like, okay, we didn't hit this hard enough. <laughs> we hit this twice as hard, you know. So, but if you're just hitting it hard all the time, it just becomes like a wall, and that's no good. You've got to have ebb and flow, and you know, all the textures and layers. And and uh, I think that that's it's a living, breathing entity. It's it's real musicians playing instruments in a live setting. You know, we still use cables. Some of us, I use a cable plugged into. You're so old school, Ian. I love cable. I mean, I've tried. I've tried to. Use, I do use in ears, and I've used them for 
since they came out. But um, the cables, I just habitually just have to have that cable in my hand. And I've tried radio mics, you know, we didn't, you know, when you do, especially when you do really big shows where you've got like, you're playing a festival and it's like 60,000 people, and you've got a huge stage where you spend a lot of time walking around real estate, <laughs> you know, that's, where there's nothing, there's nothing else going on except there's just an audience and maybe a monitor. And uh, I always feel kind of like, uh, like I'm not attached to anything. <laughs> you're just out there on your own. Something like the cable that um, it feels grounding. Maybe it's symbolic of something. <laughs> hmm. Well, I can't wait to see the show when you're in Boston on December 14th. Um, You know, I'm hoping to meet you that night. I've been such a fan for so long, and you've been so gracious with your time. So thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope it wasn't too too long-winded. No, (laughs) I want to keep talking to you, but I know that you have to go because you got stuff going on, and I don't want to be the one that keeps you from, you know, makes you late for everybody else. Oh, that's totally cool. Yeah, I have a few more interviews to me. Well, I appreciate you being so gracious with your time today, Ian, and I will see you at the House of Blues next month. Absolutely. Look forward to it. We're really looking forward to Boston. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Mistress Carrie, weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.